0: Stuart Holman here with you again for the fourth in our series of devotionals in the book of Numbers, part of the Growing Disciples course. As we've said previously, the book of Numbers is a a journey narrative, a travelogue, which the New Testament reflects upon as a parallel for the life of Christian discipleship. The people of Israel journeyed through the desert for 40 years, having to trust God and his promises, not only for their daily survival but also for their ultimate destiny, the promised land of Canaan. So the prayerfully reflective Christian is invited to overlay their own experience of living by faith, headed for a glory that is promised in the future in the new creation, in the similar way to the book of Numbers and the narrative there. So in our previous devotional, we were directed to an example of this in 1 Corinthians 10 and we read in part, Our ancestors were all under the cloud, that is the glory cloud of God's presence which led Israel through the desert, and that they all passed through the sea, that is the Red Sea, which parted to allow Israel to escape Egypt on dry land. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. In other words, they entered into the experience of Moses as the agent of Israel's deliverance, just as the Christian enters into Christ. They all ate the same spiritual food, that's the manna, and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Okay, so what's the spiritual drink and the rock? Did Jesus morph into a rock? Was he hiding under the rock? Those questions, And in fact, the underlying issues for those questions are actually the topic of this devotional. What was the result? Uh, Paul continues, verse 5, Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, that is the people of Israel. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry, referring to Israel's worship of Aaron's golden calf, while Moses was just a little bit too long getting the Ten Commandments. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died as a result of their sin. Uh, We should not test Christ as some of them did, and they were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did, they were killed by the destroying angel. How many times in the book of Numbers do we read of Israel's grumbling? And so Paul draws upon the events recorded in the book of Numbers and draws lessons from there for the benefit of the Christian now. Paul's not just making up these parallels, they rely on a typological understanding of the Old Testament. Uh, Just as Jesus did in his teaching, and as he taught his apostles to do as well, a type or an example from the Old Testament is understood as being fulfilled in the New Testament. So for example, Jesus taught that his body is the new temple. God dwells with his people. Uh, And again, uh, after Jesus' ascension, Jesus' people are now the body of Christ, the new spirit-filled temple. So those lessons from the Old Testament types end up as powerful encouragements and also stern warnings in the New Testament. So our time of dwelling on this narrative of numbers is actually well spent. So what's the spiritual water and the rock? to which Paul refers in 1 Corinthians 10? Well, Paul's reflecting back on Numbers 20, where the people of Israel had moved on from the desert of Paran to the desert of Zin near Kadesh. And once again, we hear the sound of grumbling. Verse two. Now, there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. We've heard the same grumbling a few times already in the book of Numbers. Uh, Perhaps as a reader, we're also feeling annoyed by it. We've also seen this pattern previously in the book of Numbers where the people complain and so Moses complains to God. In turn, God then responds both to Moses and to the people. Uh, So verse 6, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff and you and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly, speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. Miraculously, God provides for his people's need. Their need's very real. If not for God's provision, they would have indeed died of thirst, both the people and their animals. This provision really is a salvation experience. Uh, For sure, the people's complaint could have been put forward a little better, Uh, perhaps from the stance of faith would be good, But anyway, Moses has his instructions from God and he returns to the whinging Israelites, verse 9. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and he struck the rock twice with his staff water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. So, uh, there is the rock in the wilderness providing miraculous, even spiritual water for Israel to drink. Just as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10. But why is this rock said to be Christ? Jesus is not hiding under the rock. No, instead, this rock is a type of Christ. Uh, As a forerunner, a preparatory symbol or an example, the rock represents God's gracious salvation for his people. This provision of miraculous water, uh, once again, demonstrates God's character. He is merciful, he's powerful, and he is saviour to his people. But there's a problem, a problem with Moses. Verse 12, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honour me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Problem here is that Moses put himself in the place of God before the people. Look back there at verse 10. Who's saving the people? Who's providing the water? Moses says, must we bring you rock out of this water? In his anger, Moses claims that power for himself. He uses God's authority as though it was his own to elevate himself before the people. Instead of honouring God as the saviour and provider for his people, Moses proclaimed himself the one who was doing all the work here. So the narrative concludes, these were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and where he was proved holy among them. God was absolutely demonstrated as holy, both in his glorious provision of water and in Moses' rebuke, wherein Moses would not actually enter the land now. This is a significant event worthy of our reflection, particularly in light of Psalm 78 and Hebrews chapters 4 and 5, which also reflect upon the very same events of Numbers 20. I'll leave you to look up those other references later. What then is the lesson of the rock and the waters of Mirabar? Well, I think we learn that God is holy. He's not our plaything or a, a superpower under our command. In response to God's promise of provision and in salvation, we humbly put our trust in him. Our faith rests in him. We don't put him to the test. We don't grumble. In short, we fear God. Israel needed to learn this, and I think we could learn that too. Yes, we have wonderful access to God, sheltering in the mercy of Christ's sacrifice. But God's not our little mate. All that we have in relationship with him comes to us only by his kindness and grace. We are as undeserving as the grumbling Israelites, blessed with the presence of God on the back of his great salvation. I invite you to turn this reflection now into prayer, grateful prayer with God.